Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us, and we pray that as we come to look at your scripture today, Lord, that our hearts and our attitudes would be right. Lord, that we would have a reverence for the fact that you have spoken. You, our God, the Creator, have spoken. And Lord, that we would be humble. Uh, Father, that, that we would understand that uh, in every passage of Scripture, when we come to it, Lord, we are, uh, we are coming to something that is such a, a precious gift beyond what we can comprehend. But especially today, Lord, as we, as we think about and, and, and come into this conversation between the, the Father and the Son, Lord, Father, we, we pray that you would just bless our time in your Word. Lord, that you would remind us that we are little children and that we need direction, we need reassurance, and you give it to us, Lord. I'm going to pray that we would be honest today about our own hearts and our minds, and Lord, that we would be honest as well as we look at what you are doing in this world and why. Help us today to look at your word rightly. Amen. So turn, if you would, in your Bibles to John 17. John 17, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 this morning. John 17, verses 5 through 8. We're continuing through our study here of uh, Jesus' prayer. And today I'm just going to jump right in uh, and read in the text beginning in verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they, they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Okay, so last week, we began listening in on this prayer between the Son and the Father. And we saw last week that Jesus was emphasizing there that He came to give eternal life. And that this was the moment where He was going to be glorified. And what He would accomplish is He would be able to give eternal life. And do you remember what that eternal life was? That eternal life was actually having a relationship with the Creator God as Father. It was knowing the Father. That's uh, the eternal life that he speaks of. And, and we ended by just seeing there how, how Jesus was speaking in, here in this prayer and, and realizing that what he's saying here as, as he prays, and obviously this is a prayer that we were meant to read. This is a prayer that, that we're meant to listen in on. He's telling us what the story is that you and I are living in right now. It's the story of this relationship between the Son and the Father. They shared glory before the world even existed. And then the Son came to earth to glorify the Father. And, and how did He do that? By giving eternal life to God's people. That's the story that we're living in. And I challenged us as we ended last week, what story are you living in that's not necessarily this story? The story of us having a relationship and being made for a relationship with the Father. We're going to pick up there this week. We're going to continue on. And we're going to look at what Jesus did for God's people. So I want to start there. I want to start with this phrase in verse 6. 
this phrase in verse 6, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. To the people whom you gave me out of the world. There is a shift that has happened in the Gospel of John to these men that he's been speaking to and speaking about. And and what I want us to do this morning to start is I want us to try and follow that shift that's taken place through the the book, through the gospel. Of course, we're going to start this shift at the very beginning. And by the beginning, of course, I mean the very beginning. Before time even began is where we start this shift that happened. We'll move quickly though, don't worry. Before time even began, there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And and there was precious glory, absolute, pure, completely pure glory in this relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. There was no sin. There was no evil. It was just perfection. And if you turn back to John chapter 1, We actually see a parallel in John chapter 1 to what Jesus is saying here in our passage today. John started the gospel in John 1 at the very beginning, back when in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is when Jesus said in 17.5, the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And then, of course, what happened? There was creation. And then there was the fall. And there was sin. And there was death. And there was a world full of evil and wickedness. And it happened quickly, too. It happened so quickly that within a few chapters of the beginning of this story, what does God do? He sends a flood to destroy the people that he made because of their wickedness because of how quickly they turned to evil and this is what happened with the world after the fall and because of sin and and even among the best people as well so i've been reading genesis for my my uh bible my yearly bible reading and abraham isaac and jacob were deeply flawed men the story of jacob I mean, it, 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 has a, it, should, it should have at least a PG-13 rating and quite honestly, maybe higher. And their wives were deeply flawed women and their families belonged in a soap opera. We all know this. They, they, were, they were broken. They were rebellious. They were stubborn. They were selfish. They were deceiving. They were jealous. And these were the people who started the people of Israel. And this is the world. And the Bible gives us a very real picture of that. The the, the Bible is not an innocent book in the sense of naive. It is not naive at all about what this world is really like. And so what happened? Well, what happened, we'll fast forward quite a bit. Jesus comes into the world. John tells us about that too in John chapter 1, verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The true light, the one who shared glory with the Father. 
who gives light to everyone. His glory is radiant coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This is Jesus who we've seen. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And he did that for a reason. He, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He did that for a reason. Again, in John chapter one, we see in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So no one has ever seen God. And then John switches to say, so the only God who is at the Father's side, which is of course the word, become flesh, he has made him known. This is what's happening. This is the story of the world is that God who created it then came into his world in order to reveal the Father, to reveal God to us. This is just another reminder to you that this whole plan that we're involved in here is to make God known to his people. That's the priority. We're gonna hold off on that for a minute though. We're gonna stick with this idea of the ones that God gave him out of the world. So the son came into the world, but the world is still the world. The world is still evil. It is still broken. It is still blind. Jesus tells us that in John chapter three, verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So he came into the world from the Father, sent from the Father into this dark world, which is still evil, which doesn't want the light. And when the light shines on, they, they want to go back into the darkness and continue hiding, continue pursuing the things that their hearts want to pursue. But as Jesus came into the world, what did he do? He began to call these men to follow him, each of them. He calls them to follow him, and we find out that they were given to him by the Father. And he told them throughout the book, over and over again, that if they believe in him, Jesus, who are they actually believing in? The Father. He told them this over and over again. If, if they believe in Jesus, they will actually be coming to God himself. John chapter 12, verses 44 through 45. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And, and so they follow him. They listen to him. They strive to understand him. They are his because he called them. Now look at what Jesus said about these men in chapter 15, verse 19. There he's speaking to them and he says something. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, wait a second. By the time that we arrive at chapter 15, something has changed about these men according to Jesus. They are not of the world. Why? Because they were chosen by Jesus. And they're his. They are not the world's anymore. 
They're Jesus's now. Today we read Jesus saying, yours they were, and you gave them to me. They're his now. They're not the world's anymore, they're his. But what do we actually just find out there? They were God's. They were the Father's. Now listen to this. James Boyce says, first, first, we are God's. That is, he can do with us as he likes. In an important sense, everything that exists is God's. For he made it originally and can do with it as he pleases. This is true of the material world. From the tiniest atom to the greatest star or galaxy, all that exists is God's and obeys the laws that he has set apart for it. Moreover, we know that this is not some independent existence or some law apart from God, as if God were bound by it. For on occasion, he steps in over his own natural law to do what we instinctively term a miracle, thus demonstrating that creation is controlled by him and not he by creation. And so this ownership of of God's, it extends to all of his creation, including the high point of his creation, mankind, you and I. All of this is God's. And so what does he do? He gives his people, those that he called, those that he chose, Just as he chose Abraham, just as he chose David, just as Jesus chose these disciples, these are the ones who were given to his son. Isn't isn't this a beautiful thought? They have been given to the son out of the world. Of course, these men, they still live in the world, don't they? And Christian, you and I, we still live in the world. The world still impacts us. The world still affects us. These men have families. They have friends. They have a community. They wake up every morning and they have to live in this world. Next week, we're going to dig into that a little bit more. When we look at Jesus saying, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. This week, Let's just recognize that, yes, they still have to live in the world, and that's a challenge. But let's continue thinking about how these men were given to him out of the world. They are gods now. They belong to him because of Jesus. And the world doesn't have them in any way anymore. So this begins with what the Father and the Son already were. They already were in a perfect relationship with each other, pure, precious, sinless. They were already there. It was beautiful. And then what they did was they chose not to keep that within themselves. They chose to create. And then they chose their own will to bring us into this relationship from the Father to the Son 
to us. And and you see, the, the first piece of that equation makes sense. From the Father to the Son, that makes sense. That, I mean, that's between equals, right? Uh, of course, the Father would give all to the Son. That's what you do. And they're perfectly united. And they're equals. And quite frankly, the other thing about this is the Son deserves all that the Father has. So the first part of that equation makes perfect, should make perfect sense to you and I. As we look at the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we would go, of course, that relationship It's the third piece of the equation that trips everything up. This whole idea that these men would be able to come out of the world ought to trip you up. From the Father to the Son to us? I mean, it trips us up for a couple reasons. First, it trips us up because God the Father and God the Son would choose to include us, to adopt us, to make us children, to, to, to pour out love on us. Again, you know your own heart. I know my heart. If you're in denial about your heart, you can just go read the story of Jacob and be like, he chose Jacob of all people. And he loved that guy. That trips us up. But the second thing that trips us up, and so the idea of his grace, the idea of his mercy, the idea of his love extending so far that he would actually love us. Think what father's smiles are thine. Second, it trips us up because it is just not so easy to simply include us in this. There is a lot behind Jesus' statement here that these men were given to him out of the world because it is not so easy for you and I to come out of this world. The world has wrecked us. We were born cursed in this world, condemned in this world, dead. It is not so easy for you and I to just simply walk away from that and be pure. In fact, for us, it's impossible. We can't walk away from this world and be pure. We have been been tainted by the evil of this world. And quite frankly, when you are honest with yourself, you have jumped in to the sin of this world. Maybe not every sin. Maybe there were sins you didn't jump into. But there were others that you definitely did. We've jumped into this world in our pride. And so we can't. We can't just walk away from the world and be pure. This just can't happen. I mean, I could sit here and I could say, hey guys, I'm God, and I'm just going to, I'm going to, you and, and you and you come on up. You're with me. And you could come up here and you could be with me. But it's not actually going to change anything about who you are. I don't have that power. <laughs> it's the thing about moving, right? I was having this conversation with somebody this week. And it's like, oh, I want to get out of this place and I want to go to another place. You know what the problem with that is, though, right? Is you take yourself with you when you go to the next place. And you'll do the same thing there that you did here. 
because there's something about us. We can't just walk away from the world. It's too hard. And again, according to Jesus, we don't really want to walk away from the world. There's a part of us that loves the darkness more than the light. So it's just not so simple here to say, pull them out of the world and bring them into this perfectly pure relationship between the Father and the Son. Because the relationship between the Father and the Son is perfect. It's without any sin and we're sinful. On our own, we would destroy the perfect relationship that the Father and the Son have between them. We would, we would just destroy it. Of course, the other thing about that actually is that we would just die. We would just die if we were pulled into the relationship with the Father and the Son in their presence, in their perfect, glorious presence. We would just die. We just couldn't take it. It'd be too much. I mean, read about the Holy of Holies. Read about Uzzah with the Ark. You just get pulled into that, boom. You can't handle it. If God didn't make it possible, he has to make it possible. And here's the other thing. If God simply did just say, hey, you're, you're with me now. And what he did was he simply accepted us for who we are in this world and said, hey, you're good. Then the problem would be God wouldn't be just anymore, would he? If he just simply said, hey, I'm just going to accept you for, for who you are. Come on in and, and, and be a part of this relationship. He would no longer be just. To be perfectly just has to mean that you bring justice to every sin. That you treat every sin with perfect justice. So he can't just bring us in. It's just not so simple. If he were to just accept us, he would be, join, we, I mean, he'd be joining us in our sin. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus did not join us in our sin when he came into the world. He remained perfect in the world. He came to bring us out of it. Which is why when we read this, we can't look at this apart from the coming cross of Christ. The moment of glory that has arrived. You can't read John 17, any part of it, apart from what Jesus is about to do on the cross. Because this would not be possible. This bringing people out of the world would not be possible if there was not the cross. Judgment for sin, perfect judgment for sin, being poured out. And Jesus exchanging our sin for his perfect righteousness. He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's how you and I as Christians, if we are in Christ, that's how we're called out of the world. Our sin has to still be paid for. And it is because that's what Christ came to do. The perfect Passover lamb. Isn't it amazing here, if we think about it that way, as he's speaking to the Father, he knows what it will take for this to happen. And he is willing to do it. We do not get 
the relationship with the Father. And we do not give this beautiful picture that Jesus gives us today without the cross. You do not get to come to God apart from the cross. It's just not possible. For us, the foundational moment in our lives, Christian, is the one where Jesus took what we deserved so that the Father could give us to the Son out of the world. And we're His now. We belong to Him. We were bought with a price. Our lives are not our own. They're His. We're in Christ. And what a precious gift to be rescued out of the world. Do you see the world clearly enough to know how great a gift it is to be rescued from the darkness and rescued, quite frankly, from ourselves and our love for that darkness? What a precious gift that he gives here when he says, these people whom you have given me out of the world. And so we rejoice in that this morning. And I hope you rejoice in that. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I hope you see this is the heart of it all. You are either in the world and of the world or you are in Christ and of Christ. And in the world and of the world, there's just nothing but death. There's nothing but darkness. There is nothing but just self-centered sinfulness. In Christ There is this beautiful picture of purity and peace. But, so that's the first thing we're going to look at, but don't forget the point of it all. Don't forget the point of all of this. We saw it back in chapter 1. We see it here again. Chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. This is not just about getting out of this world. This is not just about leaving this world behind. This is not just about don't go to hell. This is not just about everything's better for you. That's not what this is about. This is really about God and a right relationship with God. Let's read the whole passage again for today and let's see what Jesus says that he's done here when it comes to our relationship to God. He says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. He manifested the Father's name to the people. He gave them the words that the Father gave them. And then do you notice what he says there? He doesn't say, and Father, they finally believed me. What does he emphasize? They believe that I'm from you. That I am, I mean, we could say this, He is the way, the truth, and the life. But the way to to what ultimately? To God. To the Father. So, So here, in the second part of this, Jesus is the perfect prophet of God. 
He is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18, which we read at the beginning uh, of the service. He takes the words that were given to him and he passes that directly on to his people. And so he functions here as that perfect prophet. Let me read again from Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. They were too close to this relationship with God as sinners there, weren't they? They recognized something about being in the presence of God. It's too much for sinners. They wanted something in between them, lest they die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So these Israelites, they understood something. They understood that because of who they were and who God was, I mean, they said it right there. Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And God said, they're right. And so he said, I'll send my prophet. And of course, we saw many prophets that were to come. But in Jesus, we see the the ultimate picture of this mediating prophet this one who comes to speak the words of the Father. But what's the point of it? The point of it is to hear from the Father. The point of it is to be in relationship with God. I mean, don't you love, you love seeing God's truth connecting over thousands of years. I mean, the prophet comes to speak the Father's words and that's exactly what Jesus said he's done here. He said, I came and I spoke your words. He functioned as a prophet. But make sure that you see here the same theme that we have been highlighting for the past several months. John is concerned now more than ever that his readers see the deep eternal connection between Jesus and the Father God, the Father that the Jews would have worshipped the one true creator, God. These men had to see it. And Jesus says they have. I can't say it enough right now. Do you realize that you were made to be in a relationship with God? Period. Full stop. You exist to be in a relationship with God. That was the original design. From creation in the garden, before anything and everything else, humanity was made to live with God on His terms, because He's God, not on our terms. And now there is only one way to do that. There's only one way to do what we were meant to do. Because of sin, 
It's only through Jesus. He's the perfect prophet. He's the one who speaks the words of God. What's the great revelation that, that the disciples have had? It's that through Jesus, they are now connected to the Father. That's the great revelation. They now know that, 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 that He has come from the Father. Do our lives reflect this? That we were made to live in relationship to God everywhere? Is that reflected in our lives? Does our use of time, the way that we use our time, does it reflect that we were made to be in a relationship with God? Do our prayers reflect? Does our, does our praying life reflect that we were made to be in a relationship with God? That, that, that we were His? That He gave us to the Son? so that we might have a relationship with him, we might be called out of the world? And do, do we fully understand why we were called out of the world? It was to be with God. Do our words reflect that? Does our compassion reflect that? We could just go on and on, couldn't we? And you should. You should. Not in, a guilt, not in a guilty way, right? Not, not in, a, in a let's make the list and see all the ways that I'm failing, thank you, Kevin, sort of way. But in a way that starts with, do you really see what you were made for? And do you really see the beauty of being in a relationship with the Creator for all of eternity on His terms? Are you amazed by God's love for you, of all people, you? Are you amazed at what he has done and that his plan was to make a people? And you've seen that. Let that be the foundation we work from. So we don't wander off into just mere legalism or mere activity or mere justifying the fact that I don't do anything. We call that mere grace in a negative way. But we come right here. These men that Jesus is praying about, he says they have kept your word. They have kept your word. And he's praying for them. He knows that they'll be in this world. They'll be waking up each and every day in this world. But they have been called out of the world to be in a relationship with God. There's no better description in my mind of this, honestly, than the song that we just sang. So I'm going to read it again for us. Feel free if you want to to read along in your bulletin. If you see your sin, please, please see that God has responded to your sin with Christ coming. If, if, if you are wrestling, if you're here this morning and you are wrestling 
with the fact that you know you are guilty. Please know, God has responded to that. God knows what this world is like and God knows what's in our hearts. He's not blind to it. His love meets that. His love is for that. For exactly that. Again, God divinely inspired uh, Scripture and we see in Scripture the reality of mankind. He knows what's in our hearts. And His love has met exactly that. So if you feel guilt for your sin, if you see that you are condemned by God, please know that the only solution, the only answer is Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished on the cross. The only way to come out of the world, the only way to break all of that darkness, the only way to get out of that enslaving power of the world, you will not be able to do it yourself, but Jesus does that. That's why He's our hope. That's why we want to proclaim Him. We have people in our lives that we know of who are enslaved in darkness. We have people in our lives who who are enslaved in it and, and they actively love it right now. But they could have the light shown on that darkness. And who knows what God may do? And there are people who are dying in this world right now, desperate and broken. This is the way out. There is no other. It's not simple, but Jesus has made it possible as only he can. And then Christian, for you and I, when we have been called out of the world, it's not just to get out of hell free and it's not just to have a better life and it's not just to to just be you know, more balanced and whatever. It's for the purpose of living with God. Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. Perish every fond ambition, all I've sought or hoped or known, yet how rich is my condition, God and heaven are still my own. Let the world despise and leave me, they have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me, thou art not like them untrue. Oh, while thou dost smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends disown me, show thy face and all is bright. Man may trouble and distress me, twill but drive me to thy breast. Life with trials hard may press me, heaven will bring me sweeter rest. Oh, tis not in grief to harm me, while thy love is left to me. Oh, twere not in joy to charm me, were that joy unmixed with thee. Go then, earthly fame and treasure, come disaster, scorn, and pain. In thy service, pain is pleasure. With thy favor, loss is gain. I have called thee Abba, Father. I have stayed my heart on thee. Storms may howl and clouds may gather. All must work for good to me. Soul, 
then know thy full salvation. Rise o'er sin and fear and care. Joy to find in every station something still to do or bear. This section right here is my favorite. Think what spirit dwells within thee. Think what father's smiles are thine. Think that Jesus died to win thee. Child of heaven, canst thou repine? Haste thee on from grace to glory, armed by faith, winged by prayer, heaven's eternal days before thee, God's own hand shall guide thee there. Soon shall close thy earthly mission, swift shall pass thy pilgrim days. Hope shall change to glad fruition, faith to sight, and prayer to praise. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, help protect us, Lord, from any feeling of entitlement when we read this. We could not have made you save us. And Lord, if we are honest, we know that we didn't deserve that. And so, Father, I pray that when we see this here in the fulfillment of Jesus' time on earth, in the picture of this precious gift of us, that we would be so humbled and overwhelmed and grateful. Lord, I pray that we would see so clearly here that what matters most in our life is our relationship to you, our creator. And that that can only come through Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf. That he is our only mediator. And Father, I pray that we would throw ourselves upon you. Jesus, I pray that we would follow you and we would live in you as we have been called in you. And Lord, I pray that we would humbly see that you have given to us such a precious gift that so many around us need. That, Lord, the reason we are still in this world, that we weren't simply taken out of it entirely, is because you intend to bring more people out of this world. You intend to call more people, light and darkness, to proclaim the hope the only hope that you have given us. So I pray we would see just clearly and anew this morning and turn from the world in the sense of living in the darkness, in the sense of living as the world lives, in the sense of loving and, and wanting a relationship with the, Lord, with the world more than we want a relationship with you. Father, we are we are constantly in this tension, this battle within our soul. Father, we want you. So I pray that, Lord, this week, 
we would think, what does it mean for us to live where we live, to work where we work, to be in the family that we're in, and be in a relationship with you? How does that change us? How does that change our hearts? How does that change our attitudes? How does that change, Lord? Are we, are we willing to live in love? Help us, Lord, to be loving and compassionate. Are we willing to own up, Father, and confess and repent when we wrong somebody else? Lord, are we fighting for ourselves or are we living in Christ? Help us so much. You are so amazingly generous to us as we think about going all the way back to before time began and the glory that you had there. You are the ancient of days and that you would be willing to love us. May that motivate us in all we do. Amen.